Welcome to season three of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. I'm your host, author, and entrepreneur, Emily White. Yeah! <laughs> That's a biased woo from season one guest, uh, Steph Reed. Uh, I'm thrilled to share this season. Uh, is in my longtime home of Brooklyn, New York at Tower Records' new Tower Lab space. This season is in partnership with the New York Mayor's Office of Media and, and Entertainment's New York Music Month. I'm going to introduce the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment Senior Executive Director of Policy and Programs in one second, but I just want to say that New York Music Month is an incredible initiative that produces a free and one of the best conferences I've ever been to, along with a slew of free events throughout the month of June. So for more, I'm super excited to introduce the powerhouse that is Shira Gans. Take it away. Did I say your last name wrong? Okay. I'm Midwestern, so I struggle with vowels. No, that's ahead. okay. Thank you, Emily, for that kind introduction. Uh, again, I'm Shira Gans from the New York City Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. We're the city agency that supports all the creative sectors in New York City, and I'm the person who's lucky enough to get to create all the partnerships and programs to support the music industry. So this year, we're kicking off New York Music Month in June. This is our first, our second event of the day. Uh, we had a downtown music series this morning, so I'm really excited for our live taping series, and I'm excited for everybody to join us for other events. As Emily said, they're free, they're throughout the five boroughs, and you can check them out on the website, which is nymusicmonth.nyc, and hopefully we'll see some of you next week at our big conference. All right, thank you to Emily, and mm -hmm. thank you to Tower Labs, who's been super generous mm -hmm. with their space and a great partner this month. And yeah, I'm excited for everyone. All right. Amazing. Thank you, Shira. So we're recording this on June 1st, which also means it's Pride Month. Yeah. So I want to deeply thank our partners at the Ally Coalition for supporting us and, the, and as well as for the crucial work that they're doing. Founded in 2013 by Jack and Rachel Antonoff, the Ally Coalition provides critical support for organizations dedicated to bettering, bettering the lives of LGBTQ youth and raises awareness about the systematic inequalities facing the LGBTQ population. The Ally Coalition is committed to bettering the lives of LGBTQ youth through, through tours, social media campaigns, and collaborative partnerships. To learn more and how you can get involved, visit theallycoalition.org. And I've got one more. I also want to thank Downtown for their support of this episode. Downtown's mission is to shift the power center of the music industry into the hands of those who create and those that support that creation by giving them the finest and most comprehensive set of tools and services. Downtown is committed to building a more equitable music business. They believe in partnership, advocacy, and helping musicians develop sustainable careers so they don't require clients to give up any of their copyrights, which I am certainly all about. Okay, so let's do this. Um, I want to thank our listeners. You have made this the number one music business podcast in the world with recent chart debuts in France, Italy, Malaysia, India, and Pakistan, joining the US, Australia, Botswana, Nigeria, Tanzania, and over 30 more countries on six continents. This season, we'll be bringing you updated tools to build a sustainable music career forever, paired with conversations with artists and modern industry professionals on their careers. We'll be covering the entire modern music industry in order from recording to release, 
or creations execution while ensuring you're not missing a single revenue stream along the way. So here we go. Today's episode is based on chapter one of my Amazon number one best-selling book. This yeah. podcast is based on. Thank you. And that chapter is called Get Your Art Together. As there's no point in moving on to future episodes until you're making great art. So what does that mean? In my experience, the music that connects with audience for the long term is art that's from your heart, soul, and spirit. Not what you think people or the industry or whatever will like. And don't get me wrong, there's brilliant pop songwriters that do just that. But even if you score a flash in the pan, we want your career to last forever or as long as you want it to. And I'm not saying that finding that flow is easy by any means. I totally understand the excitement and enthusiasm to get out there. I meet musicians all of the time who are excited to share their music and say, but I need a new drummer or I need to work on my vocals. You know when your art and music is ready to go instead of feeling forced or rushed. Don't put the cart in front of the horse as the horse is your music. In my experience, artists with lifelong careers are authentically themselves. They're not trying to be something that they are not and aren't making music that they think they're supposed to make. Great art comes from within and being genuine to your vision and spirit is going to be what connects with people, again, especially for the long term. Anything else isn't gonna last for the long haul. There isn't a single artist or creative soul who doesn't know what I mean by this. So get your art together. When you know that you've come up with the greatest possible music that you are ready to put out into the world, then you are ready to go. So just one last thing before I bring on our esteemed guest. I interviewed artist Zoe Keating for the forward of the book this podcast is based on, and she's one of the only musicians I've ever met that doesn't need to read said book. She's built a sustainable music career for the long term as a solo cellist. But I wanted to share an excerpt of what Zoe had to say on this very topic of getting one's art together. So I asked her, how do you know when you're ripe and ready to record? And Zoe said, you have to have something to say and you have to be able to execute it. What I notice with artists who are starting out is often there's a huge gap in what they want to achieve, what they want to do in the studio, and what they can do right now. I had my little time, a bit like when the Beatles went to Germany and were learning their craft. I had my time in the warehouse where I could perform every weekend to an adoring living room audience, and I could make mistakes and learn how to talk to the audience. I wasn't ready to perform. But at some point, there was a time when I was ready to go out there and do it. You don't want to go out there until you're ready. That said, I do know some people that hash it out as they go along. But there's also that thing when a band wants to record an album and they're not ready. It's just going to be a waste of money and time. I can't speak for other artists, but for me, I had a long time of working in private on something. And then I worked really hard on my EP that I was doing. I did it by myself in a room and worked on it for quite some time until it was ready. I knew I had made something different that I felt proud of and felt like it represented me as a person. That is when I knew it was something. It wasn't something that I thought was cool or that I liked the sound of. It really felt like this is a musical version of myself. 
that's when I knew I was ready to get out there. So I love that. And if you want to hear that interview, that's that's on season one. And it's literally a candid conversation because I uh, t- Zoe's a single mom and I uh, to help her save time, I interviewed her for the forward of the book instead of having her write it and then um, asked her if I could release it. So it's a very uh, open, honest conversation um, between two longtime friends. So now it's time to introduce our incredible guest for today, uh, Namel Tapwaters Norris. Um, I'm just going to share a little info on Tapwaters. Uh, so Tapwaters is the paraplegic hip hop. Tapwaters, the paraplegic hip hop artist has become a beacon of hope for those who face adversity, using his music to speak out against social injustices and inspire people to never give up. With an impressive resume that includes speaking at the White House, performing at the United Nations, and collaborating with icons such as Snoop Dogg and Stevie Wonder, Tapwaters has solidified himself as a force to be reckoned with in the music industry. Despite facing a life-altering tragedy as a teenager, when he was accidentally shot and left paralyzed, Tapwaters refused to let his setbacks define him. He co-founded the Four Wheel City Movement, aimed at creating more opportunities for people with disabilities and combating gun violence amongst youth. Tapwaters' dedication to making a difference in the world has led him to speak on the first ever Recording Academy panel, which is the Grammys, on accessibility called Music, Purpose, and Community. He attended the first disability listening session with Grammy leadership and is a founding member of Ramped, recording artists and music professionals with disabilities, the leading organization for accessibility and disability inclusion in the music industry. And just really quick on Ramped, Ramped's mission is to amplify disability culture, promote equitable inclusion, and advocate for accessibility in the music industry. Ramped connects the music, entertainment, and event industries to a fast-growing global network of established music professionals with disabilities. Founded in May of 2021 by award-winning recording artist and advocate Lachi, who was also on last season of the podcast, and that was an incredible interview, Ramped came about after a public talk between the Recording Academy and several disabled artists revealed that there is a serious lack of visibility, access, and representation for professional disabled artists. In April 2022, Ramped helped make the 64th Grammys accessible, helping push for a visible ramp, ramp to the stage, ASL, and more at the at the ceremony. So let's welcome Tapwaters. Yeah. Hey Namel. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing really, really good. Thanks. Awesome. Happy to be here. We're so happy um, to see you. So you're from New York, right? Yeah, Bronx, New York, home of hip hop. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. It's also the 50th uh, anniversary of hip hop. Big up, big up to hip hop. That's right. So we're very excited about that. So what were you like and what were you into as a kid and and teenager? Um, As a kid and teenager, that's like two different things. (laughs) When I was a kid, I was just a curious kid, I guess. Um, grew up in the Bronx. Um, my mom's uh, two sisters, um, stepdad, and just trying to find my way as like trying to be more into. I was I played basketball. Um, I was in a band. I went to a performing art school called Saint Augustine. I used to play the bass in the band, and then um, as I got older, I got I got into playing basketball and rapping. With my friends, shout out to my crew Nova, Lee Cartel, 
back then. And we just was uh, getting, just kids growing up in the Bronx, getting that going with music and then getting involved in the streets as well. You know, sometimes making the wrong turns, but it's all part of growing up. Yeah, that's how, that's me. That's great. Do you yeah. still play basketball? You know, I love it. I watch it. Um, I think, when I think about it now, I'll be like, I wish I studied the game the way I do now. Back then when I was playing, I probably would have been better. But I don't play as much anymore because um, I, I like to dribble and stuff. But shout out to all the basketball players mm-hmm. that send wheelchairs because they, they, they go hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. So are you open to sharing the life-altering event that happened at age 17? Sure. Like, when I was 17 years old, I was, well, like, so I wasn't born in a wheelchair. Um, I was, I got into a wheelchair when I was 17 years old. Um, my cousin was actually playing around with a gun, and the gun went off and struck me right here in my lower neck and left me paralyzed from, like, the chest down. That was January 16th. Mm-hmm. Um in 1999 and I had uh you know when that happened to me it was it was crazy because you know nobody tells you what comes along with being in a wheelchair even if you see somebody in a wheelchair like everybody's story is not the same but and everything you go through is not the same so that really was like really flipped my life upside down I had to figure out like the whole different process to live in and um I thought I thought my life was over until mm-hmm. like you know getting back into music and going going back out in the world, going back to school, graduating from college and stuff. I had to learn to adapt and um, pivot in life and find you know find new ways to live. But thank, thanks to hip hop, mm-hmm. I, I always give credit to like hip hop um, for keeping me going um, within what I was going through because it gave me a voice. Mm-hmm. Like for myself and other people I knew that was going through the same stuff. And that's how I ended up here pretty much, I think. Wow. So we're so grateful that you're here, mm-hmm. that you survived. But, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, what was the response, you know, socially from your peers at that time? Uh, that's a, that's an interesting question because it was, it was a, uh, so it was, it was a half and half thing. There was, I grew up with I grew up with friends who were very um, down to earth and playful mm-hmm. jokes, you know. So on one hand, there was a lot of that um, which bothered me sometimes. But then you know I had friends that stuck by me. You know, mm-hmm. shout out to my guy P, Monty, everybody. Um, I had I had a lot of time to like reflect before. Um, so I, when this happened, I had to go to a rehabilitation hospital for six months, Burke mm-hmm. rehab. Um, in which I, I actually got a chance to meet Superman when Christopher Reeves when he was when he got injured. Mm. Um, that was a crazy time, but I was alone. Like I didn't see a lot of my friends at the time. So when I went home back to the Bronx, it was like a reintroduction of myself. Yeah. So I didn't really like go through the process of like being injured around them. Mm. So when I went back home, you know, I, I think that's when I changed my name to Tap Waters, um, and a lot of them was there, but at the same time, they didn't really understand what I was going through being young themselves. So it, it led me to find my my voice. Like, I, it used to be things I wanted to say to them, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to, like, be angry 
So I started to like write songs about, I wrote this song called In My Shoes. And it's like, you think you could be me, go ahead, roll in my shoes, push yourself around every time that you move, run out of money from paying your dues, and then try acting like you got something to prove, everything to gain, nothing to lose, get shot by your cousin in your own room, and then have a doctor tell you that you're never going to walk, and the messed up part about it, it wasn't your fault. Then the hospital, the rehabilitation, six months of hard work and total concentration, the meditation on top of medication, to see yourself walk, just use your imagination. Then people treat you like you're sitting down for fun, like you don't want to walk or you wouldn't love to run. But then when they say they wouldn't trade places with you, ask them how come. And then, of course, like they want to know about the wheelchair life. They want to know how a brother make it. If you think that you could take it, I'm going to put you in my shoes. Let's see if you could tie your laces. And that I wrote that as a reaction yeah. to like my friends. Give it up. Yeah. That was like a reaction to my friends and things they used to say to, that used to get to me when I being around them, not knowing. So it was like a double-edged sword, but mm-hmm. if it, gave me, it gave me cause to my music, though. Absolutely. So what inspired the name Tapwaters? Because we, I I mean, maybe this is too literal, but we are so fortunate in New York City to have arguably the best tap water in America. Yeah, I am the best tap water. Not anything to take for granted. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I I actually, um, I don't know. I I, kind of remember it as like sitting in the sun one day and thinking like when I go home, I think I was leaning back in the wheelchair and it's, and I was like, when I go home, I want to have like a different identity. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how I rap prior to my injury and how I used to like always like connect and say like my flows like water. So I wanted something that did, dealt with water. But then I was like, but I don't want to be like just water. I want to be edgy with it. So I'm like, oh, tap water. Cause tap water is from, from like, you know, the streets, the streams. Mm-hmm. And then at mm-hmm. the same time, like, the word tap means like to tap into things and be like, so tap into the flows, any beat. Like, it's like what Bruce Lee said, like put water into a cup, comes the cup, you know, be water. I got a song about that too. Like the name, explain the name. I can check that out on a quarantine mixtape. The song be water, it's like got Bruce Lee in it and it's like, it's just explaining the whole name. And water is life. So. Yeah. So he has a lot of metaphors to it. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of reasons. Yeah. Beautiful. How did you meet Ricardo Velasquez? Oh, uh, me and Rick, we met uh, a few months into my injury through the grace of my mom, who's not um, alive, living in a physical form anymore. She she uh, seen Rick one day outside, because he lived in the next building from me, and she seen him outside, um, like, I think he was getting pizza or something for his son. And then she was like, yo, my mom, my son just got into a wheelchair. He don't know anybody. Would you want to be his friend? Just randomly, you know, being a mom, I guess, she thought I needed a friend. And he gave her his number. And so I called him. I'm like, yo, I don't know. I just asked him a couple of questions, but he invited me to his house. And little do I know, um, he was making, like, he, he just brought this beat machine called the MPC 3000. And he was working on a beat. He just was starting to make beats on it. And I was just starting to write raps again because I didn't, I didn't think I could rap anymore. As far as like, just being in a wheelchair, my voice control, I didn't really have the cadence. And I'm just thinking like, I, you know, I can't. I don't know if I can do this or if it's a place for me. Mm-hmm. And so I started working with Rick. And like the first day I went to his house, he gave me like two beats, and I went home and I started writing again. Then I went back to his house, and you know, he didn't even have a lot of equipment. He had like a CD 
player son, and we just started making songs on that together. And that's how we became friends, and that's how we met. And then, like over time, as I started getting more stronger with my with my um, raps and stuff, and he got better with the beats, we just started to make um, a connection with our music, and we wanted to like identify ourselves. And that's how we came up with the name, like, Four Wheels, because, like, the identified a wheelchair, but it was, like, four-wheel records at first because we didn't see nobody, like, giving people in wheelchairs opportunities in the music industry. And we even had people around us that was, like, kind of hesitating to work with us. So we just wanted to do our own thing, so we called it Four-Wheel Records. And then later on, like, making these songs about different things and wanting to help people who was in the situation find their voice, we came up with the name. Well, the idea for Will City is the idea first. It's, like, to help people, to inspire, educate, advocate, entertain. Hold up. But I can't talk about Four Wheel City without doing, like, a... a, a, a this is, like, our, our shout-out thing. So when I say four, y'all say wheels. Four wheels. Four wheels. When I say four wheels, y'all say city. Four wheels. City. Four wheels. City. Yeah, because Four Wheel City is, like... Like it deserves that introduction. When I started to do this, I'm like, oh, snap. It felt weird without that energy to explain what this means. It means inspire, educate, advocate, entertain. That's why you see the fours up. And we really we really started that to, like, help people um, find, like, information, be inspired, not to give up, um, speak to kids about staying in school, but also show people that just because you have a disability... You know, you, you, your life is not over, like, for people that don't believe in people in wheelchairs. So we started Four Wheel City. And the name actually was from a free... Well, I was doing a freestyle from Cameron and Jay-Z song. That song they had, Welcome to New York City. And then I, was, I we said Four Wheel Records. I was just like, Four Wheel City. And I was like, oh, like, we was like, that's what it got to be called because that's, like, the whole summary of, like, the, the concept of Four Wheel City. And that's how we came up with the name. So shout out to Jay-Z and Cameron for making that song because we wouldn't even have the name probably. Well, we should make sure they know that. Yeah, tell them. I will. In New York, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you guys founded Four Wheel Records within months of meeting? Yeah, i say within like the first year or two because okay. we we really, we didn't have, we just, we wanted to like, well, for, as far as me, I'm not going to like do music and waste my time if it's not like in a package some kind yeah. of way. So I didn't see no way forward to, like, make my music. Because we wasn't, like, Forward City turned into Rick and I, like, moving around and doing stuff together. But when it first started, we, it was, like, me, I'm just an artist, and he's just a producer. Mm-hmm. And we just was like that. And But for me, it's like, if I'm going to be doing this music and stuff, I want it to be in a package some kind of way. So I was like, we, like, Dev Jam is not coming to see me, like, mm-hmm. you know, Universal, they're not coming to see me, so let's just start our own thing. And it was at a time where a lot of um, independent record companies were, like, starting to do their thing more. So yeah. it felt like the right thing to do, like Cash Money, um, you know, No Limit, Rockefeller, all of them, like, there was so many different um, crews and record companies coming out, so we wanted to start our own, too. Love it. From there, you launched Four Wheel City. What is Four Wheel City and what inspired you to create it? Well, all that stuff I just said, plus <laughs> just I think Four Wheel City is like bigger than me. I always mm-hmm. say that. And bigger than Rick. I think it's something that's from like God. I think it's like I think it's like the purpose of why I'm still here mm-hmm. and like why 
it's um why these things happen like this like why I'm getting to tell this story that's yeah. why I really feel about it I feel like it's bigger than me it's like a purpose like mm-hmm. I feel like I when I got into the wheelchair I, I, I felt like early on I just felt like there was there was something there was like a gap mm-hmm. between like people who was in the situation and people who were walking or able bodies so to speak yep. that didn't understand and I, as I was getting to understand I was like I want to translate it and be like the translator in the middle of like people who don't get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a nonprofit, right? Yeah. So tell us about the work that you that you all do. Yeah, we we've been doing like a lot of work within schools to like work with youth, um, at risk youth, mm-hmm. like keeping them in tune to what like the dangers of going down the wrong path, um, peer mediation. Um, so that's one thing we do when we go to like um, hospitals. Because our whole thing really started organically through Mount Sinai Hospital, mm-hmm. working with patients um, as well, speaking to them about you know keep going, not giving up. So that's some of the stuff we do as well. So those two things are like our two like main pillars of what we do. And then like we push for a lot of inclusion and accessibility mm-hmm. through the city. You know, trying to get more access to ramps and stores, stages, clubs, all that stuff. And that's what we've been doing. How can folks get involved, donate? Oh, you just you can hit us up, fourwheelcity.com, um, fourwheelcity at Gmail, um, cash at fourwheelcity, you know, anything. We on social media. We need more followers. Hit us up on yep. social. Fourwheelcity. Um, we ain't hard to find. Yeah. Definitely not hard to find. And you guys are just doing incredible, yeah. crucial work. So as I mentioned, this this month is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Yep. What does hip hop mean to you? What does music mean to you? Ooh. Music and hip hop. So I'm wearing my hip hop shirt with everybody on it right, right here today. That's what it means to me. It's like I wear it. I wear it. You know, it's like everything because it's... it's it's a it's a badge of honor. I feel like mm-hmm. um, it's a culture, but f- for me, it's something special that I take with me everywhere I go because I get the um, I get what it has done for me, but I get like how how it's misunderstood as well, and I feel like it's it's something that I, I feel in the heart. So it's something I can do naturally, and and hip hop is is I think it's changing the world. You know, look what it's got, look what places it's got me. And people see it, I think it's a lot of negative. Like, people be like, this rapper, I, like, I, sometimes like, it bothers me the way they use the word rapper now. I feel like it's, they try to put, like, a negative connotation mm-hmm. on it sometimes. Like, when things happen, when I feel like, when, when you, like, you hear the word poet or something, it sound, people make it more, like, elegant, you know. And I feel like rappers are so intelligent and, and the way we kind of get portrayed is not in the right way sometimes, but... Hip hop has always been like the voice of the people mm-hmm. where it comes from. And that's what I am. I'm a voice of the people. And I just feel like hip hop saves lives, changes lives. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for hip hop. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So, why and how did you co found Ramped? Oh, oh, sorry. One follow up to the last question Who's on your shirt for, your, for our audio only listeners? Oh, man. We got, we got Tupac. We got Biggie, we got Outkast on here, Snoop. Oh, we got um, 
Superstars up here. We got Public Enemy. I can see Ice Cube. Run DMC. Ice Cube. I got a little everybody on here. Um, I see some of the people on here. I seen oh like that Biggie picture over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it's it's music is a is a beautiful thing. It's a, it's like I feel like it's a fraternity mm-hmm. like music. You know, we all have like a connection in a sense, especially when you get like to have a voice in it, and uh, we all kind of connect that way. So that and I feel like connected to like a lot of artists that way. It's true, and you reference this amazing wall at Tower Labs um, for our audio only folks. It's a whole bunch of um, like magazine photos and, and cutouts of artists. And this is literally what my bedroom wall looked like in high school, except um, it may or may not have been only pictures of the band Oasis, um, but total blast from the past here. Mm. So um, back to my other question, uh, why and how did you form Ramped? Okay, Ramp is actually a... It's like a coalition of some dope artists with quote unquote disabilities mm-hmm. that came together in 2021, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> years gone so fast now. Um, so we we shout out to Lachi. Mm-hmm. She was like the spearhead of all this, getting us artists together. Me, other artists called Galen, um, Question. There's a few of us. And we came together to, she got us together to speak to the Grammys originally mm-hmm. about being more inclusive. And from that conversation, you know, started um, a real movement for change of primarily focusing on music industry stuff mm-hmm. um, for people to be able to get more jobs, people to be more visible more ramps on these like award shows, ASL stuff. And we just been doing that like collectively as a movement and been working with a lot of different companies um, to like Netflix, um, United Masters, Mm -hmm. and just trying to have people acknowledge disability culture. Cause just like hip hop has a culture, I see like disability as a culture as well. Mm Because there is a lot of things happening in that world that people don't understand or get the get the um, full spectrum of. Because it's like if you don't if you don't know, it's hard to find out about it. But that's the problem I feel like. Because right. I didn't hear none about it until I started. Even when I was in the wheelchair and I started doing music, I didn't hear none about the Americans with Disability Act right. until I actually did a song the movement talking about why stores not wheelchair accessible and then we got asked to perform at a, a ADA um anniversary mm-hmm. and that was like the 15th and it was at City Hall and I'm like wow like I'm I'm performing this I'm like is there anybody ever rap in City Hall before I don't know like we rapped in the United Nations and we mm-hmm. talked in a while I'm like I don't even know rappers ever did stuff like this but it's disability stuff mm-hmm. but it's still hip hop so it's like, why does why is that not being uh, um, acknowledged in the same way other people do things? Like sometimes I see it, I see it like when we do stuff like with Ramp, like the Grammys, it don't get the same headline or play. But I feel like it's like the same stuff Jay Z is doing with the NFL type stuff. Yeah. It's like the same kind of relationship, but and disability culture is not really looked at that way. You don't get that mm-hmm. same lens, so people won't see it that way, but that's how I see it. So just to me, that's what Ramp is about, is like bringing that change 
mm-hmm. from like the bottom, from the people who really live it and understand the um, culture and like things happening from from like the parades, the festivals, the the stuff like just how I got here from rent. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people won't understand that that's possible. They might mm-hmm. see somebody in a wheelchair and be like, well, how am I going to market him? You don't need to market me because I already know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Just invest and maybe see like a return on your investment. And like get to understand like the the path forward. Yeah. And don't like it's like a new business model, like people don't understand. But we've been doing this, so I understand, but it's like a fight to like get the inclusion part. So what are you know these companies you're working with, you know, like Netflix and Netflix? What are they doing um, to be more inclusive? And also, like, you know, we have entrepreneurs, industry folks in the audience. Like, you know, what can we do in big and small ways to become a more inclusive industry? Yeah. So, like, I think what I just touched on, I I feel like it's not so much trying to find, like, a new big thing. It's, like, support Mm -hmm. what's already happening. It's, like, think of if... When you hear the story like rappers, I'm gonna go back to like when you hear the story, you always hear like, oh, they got somebody that gave them a million dollars. No matter what they was doing first, you don't really hear something. You hear like somebody gave this person is labeled there, like this, and that's what we need. We need like that influx of people to support what's already happening, I think. Mm-hmm. And not look at it like what I'm gonna do with that, and like just just support it in any way possible. And I think that's like the next evolution of it. Far as ramp, like we, like we, um, shout out to the Four Foundation. We just mm-hmm. started working with them. Um, got a grant from them. Congratulations! Yeah, it's a huge um, deal. Winning a bunch of awards. So that's just like those are like small steps, but they got to come from like the industries I'm talking about, mm-hmm. like the, the like the record companies and stuff like that. Just like they would do any other artist who's doing things like this. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a great segue to my next question. What is Ramped Records? So Ramp Records is our own platform for what I'm talking about that we that we're starting, and I'm heading up. Um, it, it started as a conversation through um, Steve Stout United Masters um, Company, and we're working with them like behind the scenes to get more artists on on like their platform and being able to release uh, music with the same kind of tools behind the scenes to like get placements and things like that, and also. We're looking to support artists who not getting the looks that I'm talking about. So we can be like that support. And if that's something we like, we need funding for now too to support other artists. So that's what's behind Ramp Records right now. It's just starting, but I feel like it's it's everything that um Ramp has been kind of building so far, like to actually be the place that we're trying to get other people to help us with, like to actually build the place for ourselves as well. Exactly. And that's such a perfect example for all of us. It's like, if the traditional industry doesn't come to you, and I have to say it rarely does, you know, you are the industry, right? So like, if you have access to a laptop or smartphone, and we're going to get into all of this, like, you can record, you know, like that, there's two major things that completely uh, revolutionize the, the music industry to bring, we, bring us where we are now. One is access to recording. Um, so in the pre-digital era, you would have to sign your rights away um, to be able to afford a recording studio unless you are a one percenter. And now it's like we're recording this right now. Like, Namel, not not that you would want me on a song, but like we could record a song right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
um, do that pretty seamlessly. And we're going to talk more about that in, in episode four, how to record with or without a budget. Um, but the other thing that that cracked the modern music industry wide open is the access to distribution, right? So we could record a song and we could have it out immediately, right? Like we could put it up on Bandcamp. We can, you know, distribute to streaming platforms. So um, that's the thing. It's like, yes, there is a traditional industry. And if that's something you're interested in, that's actually the last episode because we're teaching you how to build yourself up if you want a career, if you want a team, or if you have a team. Because, you know, when I was interviewing Lot, uh, Lachi um, in the last season, and if, if you don't know Lachi, besides just being like a total force of nature and amazing person, like I've known her probably 15 years or so, and she works hard. I mean, she has been busting her butt in the New York music scene for so long. And it was amazing to go through her career and all this success she's having. But um, her manager passed away of COVID, right? So like team members can come and go. I, I usually think about like, well, they move on to another career or another company or something, but it's like, you know, there's also a tragedy like that that can happen. So if you're just relying on, and, and Lachi is a great example of like a hybrid of the traditional industry. And, and like I said, she's just worked so hard over the years um, that that's, that's what we're talking about. So that's what you've, that's what you're doing. Um, with Ramped Records, in my opinion. Um, have you signed artists? What are, what are you looking for? How's that process going? It's going... We, we just um, started our, like, putting out our call for music for artists that's who... Because so Ramp as an organization, has mm -hmm. members. Yep. So we just put out our first call for, like, music submissions and stuff to, like, our people that's with the organization to see what we get back. And we're looking to release um, a, a new song uh the end of this month and in July um, through United Masters. So that's where we at right now. We take, we're taking our, our time with it in terms of like growing the process because mm -hmm. like we said, we, we, we still need the, um, the support in terms of whether it's within ourselves to like really, we want to be competitive. You know, yeah. we don't want to just be doing this because it's like just something nice to do. Right. We want to do it like on a very high level, like any other. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we're about. Like we want to do it like on a very high level, and that's what we's like aiming for. And uh, are you able to share the artist who has the track coming out? Um. Well, I'm I'm working on one right now. Okay. Actually, um, it's going to be produced with Hit Boy, um, Shining and Rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, through the United Masters platform, they they beat exchange program that I that I went through. Um, Alachi is actually coming out with a song um, in in in, remem in remembrance of Judy Human mm -hmm. passed away, who was like a big deal in like the disability advocacy world. Recently passed away, so those are like two two things coming up, and then we have some other artists who are going to be doing some stuff. But those like two of the next big. Um, things we got coming up, coming out, and we did uh, last last December. We did our first uh, launch two of a couple of singles um, featuring a blind rapper as well named Question Eight from the ATL um, Call on God, and I featured. Yeah, so we did that, and Lachi and him did a song as well in December for um, Disability International Day of Persons with Disability. And like they they did they help us launch it to the United Masters. Incredible. Yeah. 
So how are the Grammys? Oh, the Grammys. Grammys was awesome, especially this year because it was it was such a dope show itself. Mm-hmm. Like just to see all those crazy great artists in one place at one time. Yeah. It was I felt like it was it was less of a award show, more of a celebration mm-hmm. this year because of the 50 years of hip hop, um, Beyonce breaking the record. Um, DJ Khaled performance. Stevie Wonder, like Stevie Wonder is one of my um, heroes. Like he got me back into music. I'm in, I'm in featured in a docuseries that's on Apple with him. I'm called Dare. And he even, I was, I was like, Stevie Wonder's here. Like I wasn't even thinking about that, but I, that, all that under one roof was like crazy. And then I, I actually was um, taking like footage behind the scenes doing stuff and turned it into a video for a song I put out um, in February called um, Never Take Me Out the Game. So it was like a lot going on, but it was great. And a shout out to the Grammys for um, mm-hmm. bringing, bringing, bringing Ramp on board to do the um, ASL and inclusion measures behind the board, behind the scenes and stuff. That was a big deal. And it, it's been good to like have the Grammys as an issue like um, conversation and like support because I feel like they they like the the standard of inclusion for music when it comes to how people oh he's a Grammy award winner oh he's Grammy nominated so like to have that support like starting out I feel like it, it gives like an umbrella to like so many other people who should be one to, who want to get involved and should get involved from record companies to artists mm-hmm. that all feel like you know they won a Grammy but it's like then they should want to like be inclusive. That's like right. the Grammys. Exactly. Yeah. Just incredible. I mean, I, I've been seeing that work everywhere. You know, like whenever the Grammys is mentioned, like it's ramped, it's yeah. it's you guys, like you're just everywhere and, and crushing it. Yeah. It's really awesome. So back to the title of this episode, Get Your Art Together. What does getting your art together mean to you? Ooh, I mean, I feel like art, I feel like the two things, it's probably more than two things, but... I feel like two of the most important things about art is like staying in the moment mm-hmm. and um, yeah. timing, you know? It's like, I think when, if you overthink it, then you're gonna, you might miss the opportunity. Cause music, I feel like music is like very subjective to each his own. Like, yeah. you, you know, I might like something, they might not like something. That might sound good to them. That might not sound good to them, you know? So it doesn't really have to have a, a particular thing. But I think it's about having like uh, having fun with it mm-hmm. and being able to leverage it in any way possible. And I think that's when you're creative, if you can do that, then, and if you're good, then, then good things should happen. Yep. And like put it out there, like perform, you know, perform. I think performing is important, mm-hmm. um, being in front of people, even just talking, I think being in front of people and around people with your music is important. You know, I can't remember the exact word you just said, but it was basically like, oh, being in the moment. That's what you said. That's easier said than done. Yeah. Even though that's basically Buddhism, right? Like, be mm-hmm. here now. How do, how do you find that? You know, I think you got to be a little crazy, but in a good way. You got to be, you got to believe in like weird things that miracles, you got to believe in like mm-hmm. and have faith. To, to 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 start the journey because it's not it's not like something you just do, it's like a practice. 
Yeah. And it's like once you can do that, you start to like chase it. It mm-hmm. starts to come like a thing. And that's how that's how that's how I feel. Like one of my friends told me that was my guy Russ, um, when we was working on the uh work we did with Snoop Dogg, he was like, I was getting very anxious about it and stuff. And he and he told me he's like, he's like, he's like, he said, uh stay in, he said, I'm um, staying a moment, don't wait for it. Mm-hmm. And like that really changed my my yeah. perception about like how to do music. Like it's like stay in the moment, don't wait yeah. for it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you said it's a practice, not yeah. to keep digging in on this, but this is what this episode's all about. Mm-hmm. And it's something I'm very passionate about. I want to write a book at some point called The Routine about mm-hmm. my routine, which is how mm-hmm. I find my professional flow every day. Mm-hmm. So you said it's a practice. What's part of that practice to get in the moment? And uh, like you said, just nail it instead of wait for it. I think you got to you got to be willing to challenge yourself mm-hmm. a little bit and you got to be OK with the outcome. Either way, yes. And you got to be able to breathe through that. Like, that's how it's like approached. So um, you got to be okay with the outcome. I, I used to play a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. So I shout out to my guy, Kobe. Mm-hmm. Kobe kind of raised me through my injury, mm-hmm. in a sense. Because this happened to me in 99. And they first started winning championships in, like, 2000. I was a big Laker fan. Yeah. I didn't is, really Is lo- that sacrilegious, being a New Yorker? I love the Knicks, too. <laughs> I love the Knicks because I'm from here. But I love the Lakers because I grew up on the Lakers, mm, okay. you know, from the 80s, you yeah. know. Being, so, and, and they win, even though the yeah, Knicks are better win. now. So, <laughs> you know, my mom's the big um, Magic Johnson, Pat Riley fan. I was yeah. a big um, Magic Johnson fan, so he got me into passing. But mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff, as I grew up, and after this happened to me, came back into play because, like, I used to like to pass, and now I feel like I'm more, I'll take that into, like, a lot of things I do in music and, like, business. I like to, like, help people and assist. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing. But Kobe, when um when he when they first started winning championships and when he first was like coming to age, I'm like, I didn't know who he was. But he was like so like bold. Like he, he like he like I'm gonna prove something to you. Yeah. And he proved it to me. But at the same time, it's the way he did it. And at the time, early in my injury, I was I was very timid to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, I would think about Kobe like even though he probably was going to miss, he shot, and he just was cool with it. So I used to have to go to school and go into the classroom, and I used to be nervous. And I'd be like, well, what would Kobe do? He still would just don't care what nobody think. And I would just go in the classroom sometime, like, with a little encouragement. And I, I started to develop. I think you need something to tell yourself sometimes, too, just to be repetitive. And I started to be like, um, give the ball to Kobe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I get nervous, I'd be like, just give the ball to Kobe. Like, shoot your shot, just go. And I think that helped me a lot. And... Sometimes you need something to like, to like let it go, mm-hmm. you know, and be okay. And in the music, I feel like depending on your level and which how you do it. Mm-hmm. Like me, as like a performer, I get nervous, but at the same time, you gotta enjoy it. Yeah. Like if you're not if you're not enjoying it at the same time, then it's probably not something you should do. Yeah. Because you don't want to do something that's making you feel like bad. You know what I mean? Right. She'll find something that makes you feel good. Even if you're nervous, you still want to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm nervous, it's like an excitement there that makes me yeah. feel like, all right, let's go. You know, if you don't feel like that, then it's probably going to be a little harder. Yeah. And it shows that you care. And I, I work with Olympic gold medalists um, and they talk about 
channeling those nerves, yeah. right? Like that energy is there for a reason, but what are you doing with it? Yeah. And then you win or you lose. It's like, then yeah. what do you do after that? That's the thing too. So that's the catch. It's like, if, if you're cool with losing, but do you go back again? Yeah. And if you win, how do you handle winning? You know, do you, do you go back to the same method that got you that win? Yeah. Some people don't. Some people change, you know. Right. And, and, but you got to learn through the process. Yeah. It's not, it's not one thing. It tastes like you got you to gotta fail sometimes, so you got to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. And I love what you said about um, letting go of expectations. Almost every artist I've ever known or, or worked with isn't, this sounds terrible, but like I, I understand it, isn't psyched about what they are known for or famous for. Um, we've consulted, I mean, um, we've consulted on a, a nineties artist for, for a long time. So if you want to figure it out, you probably can, right. If you go to my website or whatever, but, um, they, they're an incredible band and their biggest hit, I'm totally outing it is a Neil Diamond cover. Um, and you know, it just landed a, uh, um, Louis Vuitton sink. Uh, you know, and it's still, and they, you know, they get that money on the recording side. We'll get a little bit more into that in, into episode three, into, you know, the different rights and music. But like, I know it can be frustrating for them because they are brilliant songwriters, but it's also like, you have arguably the most famous sync ever. It's in Pulp Fiction and like Uma Thurman's interacting with the music and it's amazing. So I've, and I have like a million examples of that. So you're so right. It, it, to me, not that they don't, but it's like, you got to appreciate what you get. You know, like I just was, um, I don't know if judge is the right word, but I always, I'm always on the panel for at uh, NYU um, at the Clive Davis Institute for their seniors who are mostly artists who present on their music. And one of them was showing her stats that her demo was kind of middle-aged. And she's like, well, I really want a younger audience. And I was like, well, the middle-aged people have money. So, you know, who, who cares, right? But anyway, not really a question, but I just really appreciated what you said about you know, letting go of expectations. Yeah, it's, it's something that it's hard to do. Yeah, because some like we get we get the built up from when we kids, and it's hard to like try to see things for what they actually are sometimes. Yep. And that's 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 what I try to do. I try to not. I try not. And then for me, I feel like it's a lot of what I've been through in life too. Mm-hmm. It's like when you grow up with an expectation to walk the rest of your life or your cousin who's your best friend, like, going to be there the rest of your life and then that doesn't happen and your mom is like, you start to see, like, hold up, like, let me pause for the cause for a second because all this stuff is, like, chill, like, let me, let me be a little more patient and stay because tomorrow is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, today is today. Yeah, and all we have is now. Yeah. All we have is today. Yeah. So along those same lines... When do you know that you're ripe and ready to record? Whenever I record, like, is I got, I don't know. I feel like, I feel, I feel like I'm always recording. Yeah. Even if I'm not recording, mm-hmm. like, I could be in a club and hear a beat and I'm just, I'll start rapping my own song. I might not remember it, but I'm always like, I'm always like in a process of doing music in my head. Mm-hmm. And then, when it's something that like, I feel like that'll be, I feel like two things, like it's either in a moment you're just inspired by something mm-hmm. or you have an idea yeah. and like the means to do it. And those two things are probably the same, but some people just, I think you, 
it goes like music should be some kind of fun to it. Mm-hmm. But in context, if you have a message, it should be done in a way that feels that feels good. So yeah, like if you're going if you're going to it like it's a project and you have to do it, then you sh- you should like I guess try to be almost like as good as you can be if you're writing a paper, you know, like mm-hmm. be that precise. But I think on the other hand, you should stay inspired and yeah. do things in a moment as much as you can. Yes. And have fun with it. I think it should be very like loose. It needs to be loose and fun. Yeah. That's how I feel. Like even if you're doing it like with a big idea, like like the movement, the mm-hmm. song that me and Rick worked on, talking about stores not being wheelchair accessible. And and I remember mm-hmm. I always think back to that song because I remember when I heard that beat and I was in the studio with Rick and it was like, it had like this boom, boom. And I'm hearing it and I'm like, yo, that's a high beat, man. And I'm like, I think that beat was like rocking the club. And I was like, but I got this, I got this, I got this issue on my mind mm-hmm. about not being able to get into the store. Yeah. And I'm like, let me see if I can match that to this beat. And then Rick, we recorded the song. So... In that moment, I wasn't like I don't I don't know if I went to, I wasn't I didn't go to his house and be like oh, I'm going there to make this song about this. He played the beat, then I had the idea, mm-hmm. then we recorded it. So sometimes you're right, you might not even know it mm-hmm. until you're in the element. You know, it's like sometimes you got to pick. It's like fruit if it's talking about right. You got to like pick. You know, we talk artists. We talking metaphors. So you talking about like pick and write. It's like sometimes you got to you got to go picking. Yeah. You know, and then it'll come to you if it's meant to be, you know, it'll just come to you. You don't got to force it. What a great answer. You're ripe and ready to record when you're when when you go picking. Exactly. When the fruit's ready. So what advice do you have, you know, for your ramped records artists on getting their art together or any artists? I think I think just make the magic because I feel like I'm not I'm not I'm not the guru of it all. I look. I look at music like, like I said, it's very organic. It's its mm-hmm. own. I, one, what I love about music is that it's its own thing. Yeah. There's no. There's no color to it. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong to it. There's no nothing. No, like nobody can. That's that's why music has always been my escape. Yeah. Because I always felt like it don't matter what you think. Yeah. That's what I like about music. It doesn't matter what nobody thinks. Mm-hmm. It's like its own thing. That's what artists is like. Its own thing. So I feel like if you if if you're an artist and and especially if you want ramp and anything like find 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 your voice and and don't be afraid to speak on things from your heart things you go through you know and the challenge is if if you're an artist is like to paint that picture you know mm-hmm. and take accept the challenge to paint the picture whether it's just music to have fun Yep. Or it's music that has a message. Like, you know, just take the challenge to, like, paint the picture. Yep. It's so true. So last question before we open it up to the audience. What are you up to now? Sitting here at Tower Records, just chilling, <laughs> talking <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, other than that, um, oh, so on June 16th, um, we're doing... Uh, New York Music Month event through Forward City that's called Who Shot Ya? Um, Hip Hop Saved Us. And we're going to be talking with a, a couple of hip hop artists who are um, who have disabilities, most mostly in wheelchairs due to gun violence. 
and like how hip hop has kept them going. Um, working on that. That's June 16th, which is Tupac's birthday. Mm-hmm. And doing that. And we also doing, like I said, the uh, song with Hit Boy be out at the end of June or first week of July. Um, working on Ramp Records and on the Disability Pride Festivals coming up too. Um, working on a performance there to celebrate hip hop. Um, and I think, I'm not sure, October, we're working on uh, a conference, so like a small, I don't know how big it's going to be yet, but how many days, but we're working on a hip hop conference yeah. to like celebrate artists and disabilities who's been here. I think it's called We've Been Here. Mm-hmm. Shout out to um, the Soul Touch of Keith, Crip Hop. We working ramp was we're working with them. Um, they just won an Emmy for a song they did with the uh, I forgot the name of the documentary about the Paralympics I think mm-hmm. or the Olympics, forgot. But they just won an Emmy, so we're working on a conference to talk about how disability has been here and um, through the hip hop industry since it's been around. We're going to tell a lot of different stories and speak on it and try to get some clarity about hip hop and disability. Wow. I love it. I, I also want to add, um, you know, when you were talking about how you can make whatever you want, um, you know, and that's something that you love about music. That's also not something to take for granted. So like, you know, I know we're very focused on now, but in the pre-digital era, when you would have to sign your rights away to record and distribute, you would actually have to get approval from the record company to release the music. So now it's like, you can release like a four hour album or a two second song or a space opera or whatever you want to do. Yeah, the the sky is really the limit. And you know, the last thing I just want to say, you know, before we open it up to Q&A about getting your art together is, um, you know, we had Justin Vernon from Bon Iver on season one. And, you know, he, he was talking about how he, he, again, I'm not saying it's, it's easy to find your flow, but he tried so hard for years. He was like, I went to Barnes and Noble and bought the like how to book a tour book and trying, trying, trying. And it wasn't until his life fell apart, you know, like his band broke up, his girlfriend broke up with him. And he just went up to his dad's cabin in northern Wisconsin and basically just like emotionally like gave up. And then the album for Emma flowed out of him, right? So again, I trust me, I'm not saying it's easy as a musician, as a creative professional, as an athlete, whatever, to find that flow, find that zone. Um, but that's what it's all about, right? Like there's no point of, you know, moving on to the next episode on, you know, pre-recording marketing foundation until, you know, like, like I said, in my opinion, you're making art that's true to your soul, you know, your heart, your spirit, because that's what's going to, connect with folks um, for the long term. So any questions for tap waters? Yeah, we got one back there. We're going to bring a mic back to you. Thank you, Michael, with the mic. And introduce yourself. Let us know who you are. What's going on? My name is uh, Saif Boogie. What's I'm up? A, how you doing? Hey. I'm an independent uh, hip-hop artist as well, too, so blessings. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. <laughs> Biggie. So I wanted to ask, um, when you have, you know, because all artists, they go through that writer's block moment, so when you have that moment, what do you do to get yourself out of that? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. The only time I really had writer's block is when I first got injured. 
Mm-hmm. And because I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know where I was going up, down, right, or left. But I think what's important is to, to try to be able to... Um, it's too. I can. I guess if you if you find a balance with being okay with it, right, and you know, then living mm-hmm. and have fun with the practice of. I, it's one thing to write, but it's one thing to do. I get what you're saying. Still do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Even if it's like, not even night. I mean, like the greatest thing, but just have fun. Like I said, I, I rap. I beat. Songs come on on movies. I start making up songs. I don't know, but I don't write it. Mm-hmm. It's not the best song to me, mm-hmm. but it's like I just have fun with just being like doing the doing the creative part, just rapping, even if it's just like off the top of my head. Right. And don't don't take it so serious in that moment. Gotcha. I just do just like be in the do moment more those than the writing moment. That's what I try to do because I don't write as much as I should, mm-hmm. but I still try to do it. Even if I'm not recording, it's still like do it. Right, because it's like second nature to you. Yeah, yeah. So just do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Even if you freestyle, even if you come up with same, even if it's whack. Right. Right. Just still do it, and then something will come to you, and then you oh I like that. Let me write that down. Take that bar. Yeah. Right, and then you don't together. gotta be like the. And then one day you be sitting in the studio with like Rick, and then the beat come on. You be like, Yo, remember that line I said? <laughs> then it come right, come right back to you. Okay. All right. I right, thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. that, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. Come on up. Hello. Hello. Sorry. Thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to, to talk to us. And thank you for hosting this. Um, my name is Yancy Abril. I'm an artist from New York. And I guess I'm in a place where I'm just learning, observing everything and taking in everything that I can to be able to make sure my career is what I want it to be. So I guess my question is, what's a piece of advice that you might have for me that you've learned along the way of, I guess, negotiating things or making sure that you're organized with releases and all of those things? What's kind of like a piece of advice you would have for someone like me? Yeah, I'm still working on that too. But I think what's important is to have a long view in terms of um, even if you might not get it right this time, you're going to get it right the next time. Mm-hmm. Like, have a long view of it. Like, this is not your last song. Yeah, it's not your first song. Like, you're going to keep doing it. And I think having a long view keeps you going and, like, making it better every time. And I think that's that's important to, like, be, have a long vision of, like, where you're trying to go with your music. Because even the biggest artists, they might put out something and it's not what they thought it was going to be. You know, I don't think it matters, like, on a level. It's just about, like, the execution, of course. But I think you got to, because you could do everything you think you're doing is right, and it might not meet your expectation when you do it. Right? So it's like having that thought that you're going to do it again and taking a long route so you'll be okay with the process. And that's what I try to do and, like, just make it better every time. And then as you're learning, it should get better every time. So you get to a point where it's like, all right, you know what's, you know what's happening. You're ahead of the schedule. You know, every time, just keep working at it. Thank you 
so much. Yeah, and I, I just want to echo that. Um, I'm so, you know, honored that Warp Tour founder Kevin Lyman is a, you know, mentor and, and dear friend of mine. And he's always saying to me, long game, Emily, long game. And that's yeah. that's exactly what you're saying. You know, yeah. just just keep that that long game in mind. Anyone else? And if not, you know, I would also love to hear from the audience. What does getting your art together mean to you? How do you find that flow? Yeah. Come back, come back on up. Um, well, for me, usually when I like, I'll try to get into the flow state of creating. Mm-hmm. I search for inspiration, so I go to like artists that inspire me, like a Michael Jackson, like yeah. a Biggie. Um, just getting in that flow, or I even listen to like my older songs and things like that, and just like try to get tapped into the space where I want to. Okay, let me elevate, or like what haven't I tapped into before into a, a topic I haven't tapped to before. Um, but my main thing is trying to find that creative vibe that's happened mm-hmm. to and just sit in there and just let it go. So that's for me. Is that's there something that you literally do physically or mentally to try to get to that headspace? Um, I watch Michael Jackson performances <laughs> <laughs> specifically. <laughs> that's one of the things I do. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Anyone else? What does getting your art together mean to you? Yeah. And please introduce yourself. My name's Colin Dworski. I'm a music producer. I work at a studio in Manhattan. Okay. And I, I, I get a lot of different artists in my space. And one of the main thing is creativity is a habit. Yeah. And creating a habit of play. It's like, it's not about judging the ideas. It's letting the ideas just flow through you. Mm-hmm. It's like we can tap into ideas. It's just letting ourselves grab and then just place and refine. The process comes together in the refinement. Yeah. Not in like, don't don't give yourself too much of a barrier of entry in the beginning. Allow yourself to grab and then refine. And I think that's really important to like get that mentality there for for people who are kind of struggling with mm-hmm. with the writer's block or their creative process. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Go ahead. Like sometimes when you're making music, the most the the most the, the funnest, like one of the funnest parts to me is like hearing that idea come through the speaker. Yeah. Over the beat. Like to see like, oh yeah, that's what it is. That's what I mean, because that's why I say it's its own thing. Cause it's not what it's not what you think in your head. It's not what somebody think is gonna be. It's, it's, once it comes through the speaker, how it sounds is its own thing. Whether you thought you did it good, yeah. whether you thought the beat was good, it's gonna when it comes through the speaker, it's its own thing. And it's like when you hear it, it's like, oh, okay, that's how that sounds. Oh, that I didn't think it was gonna sound like that. Wow, that sounds a lot better than I thought it was gonna sound. And then, like you said, then that refinement process kind of takes on a life of its own. And then it becomes something bigger than you ever expected because you gave it a chance to like do its own thing. And because music is for hearing, it's not for thinking. Yeah. Or it's not for like, it's not for like talking. Is like mm-hmm. to to take in and like filter it in a certain way, and then it's going to tell you what's what's next thing to do. Whether you're going to dance, yeah. <laughs> or you're not going to like it, like the music going to give you, it's going to give you the cue. Yep, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I love it. Anyone else? I got a yeah, Jake. Jake running the live stream, making the magic happen at Tower. 
multitasking. <laughs> um, I'm curious, how has your recording process changed over the years? And if there's any new emerging technologies that you're excited about? Oh, it's changed a lot. Well, you know what? I can't say it's changed a lot because, all right, so it has, you know, so where it's changed a lot, but it hasn't changed a lot. Because when I first started recording music, when I'm talking about since a kid, it was in somebody's house who had equipment. Mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't go to big studios. This is like the 90s, but people were still going to big studios. Like we were doing it in the Bronx. Shout out to Lucky, who was the producer, who was doing it at his, at his house with a four track. Then when I met Rick, we didn't know how to go to no studios. I didn't know how to roll around and find a studio and pay money for that. So we built up everything in rig equipment. But we thought we were like doing something that was like taboo and like behind the curve. But now that's how everybody's rapping and recording, sitting in the house at the computer the same way like me and Rick was doing it when we first started in 1999. Like you see everybody, even the biggest, like I see Jay-Z recording on videos. I see all these other recording, they sitting in a room with somebody at the thing. Mm -hmm. Stuff that me and Rick was doing like in 99 that we thought was like, damn, like we can't go to the studio with everybody, you know, so we got to figure this out. Now we look at everybody's rapping, sitting down with a friend in a room. Yeah. So it's changed the technology, but the process is like, it's, I think it's changed a lot of people, but I feel like that's what we had. So it's like, we feel like, feel like the industry kind of gravitated towards like our work process. So the way our work has been the way I've been working for like the last 20, 20 years, 25 years, based on the fact that we wasn't going to big studios. Yeah. But on the technology side of it, it's changed a lot though, as far as like video filming, because that's part of it too. Um, the way you send beats to people, the MP3 mm -hmm. versus like a CD, like we had a four track versus like now Rick can record songs outside. Like he said outside, we, we made a song in the airport. Like, you know, so the, like the technology and the transportation of music now is like way beyond what it was back then, though. Do you create, create, ah, create your own beats? I do sometimes, but I'm more, I'm more like, I let Rick do that when I work with Rick and I'll get um, beats from other producers. Um, I like, I like to work with producers. Because it, I like to hear the beat and be inspired rather than... I can make... I just... I'm getting into my guitar. I got like a few songs I made on the guitar. I'm trying to get back in my roots when I was a kid with that. But like when it comes to beats, I like to let producers do their thing and then I do my thing. I like I like that, that connection. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in the legal episode, but... Um... I don't know if you agree, but I really like beat stars as far as getting beats because I hear a lot of random things from students and artists that are like, I rented beats from someone on YouTube. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, so oh, we'll, okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that more in in, in the legal episode. But um, we had we had Carl Folks, um, who's an amazing attorney on the previous season, um, also uh, co-signing on Beat Stars. So you can get your legal beats at Beat Stars. Awesome. Any other questions? I have a question. Yeah. Michael. So um, one thing I always like to ask uh, artists, um, especially when you're talking to up and coming ones, is if you were only to give only one piece of advice, if you can only sum up into one piece of advice that you can give to an up and coming artist, 
what would that one piece of advice be? Ooh. Probably not the advice I'm going to give right now because when I really think about it, I'm going to be like, I should have said that. <laughs> but um, I think being an artist is, 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 is a responsibility that you have to yourself, right? It's so if you're going to call yourself an artist, make sure like you, you, um, you, create, you create from a, a pure place, you know? And, and like I said earlier, I'm gonna echo my my homie Russ. Like, live in the moment. Don't wait for it. Cause I know I know a lot of artists, a lot of rappers who I I feel are better than me. Mm-hmm. That I think have been better than me. But I feel like they might overthink things mm. or not show up. So don't overthink things and show up. You know, yeah. and stay stay in the moment and create. I totally agree. And I was going to mention that um, when we had a question from a producer. Um, I mean, I think like, again, whether it's music or sports or whatever, overthinking can crush the flow. Again, easier said than done. Um, But especially when it comes to recording, you know, it's just like, is it ever done? How do you know when it's done? And I've worked with, you know, some very big artists where it's not their first rodeo and they're just, you know, constantly overthinking like that, that last 10 percent. So, yeah. Whatever you need to do to find your flow, get a full night's sleep, hydrate with our friends at Liquid Death, um, go on a walk, hang out with a pet, you know. Yeah, it's a process because, and it takes, you got you to gotta have courage too. You got to yeah. be brave when you're an artist. That's a, if you're not, if you're, if, you're, if you're not up for like that, that like rejection or that challenge. Yeah. If you're not up for it, then you shouldn't be an artist because that comes with it. You got to, yeah. you got to feel like, sometimes you want to feel like, nobody's going to get this. Yeah. That's how I like to feel. Like, nobody's going to get this. And then I like to, like, be like, okay, let me see if they get it. Well, that's the thing. Like, all the great artists that we've talked about, you know, that we admire, like, nobody sounded like them before. Yeah, yeah. You I know? like to feel like, like, this idea is, like, nobody's going to get this. Yeah. So I could, like, let me prove that some, I can make somebody understand this through, through this music festival. Right. So instead of waiting for some magical person that, you know, honestly, like I feel ridiculous saying this, but like when and we'll talk more about this um, in distribution. But when folks buy this book directly, I can see that their URL, their email address. And it's like there's managers from some of the biggest management companies in the world like buying this book. And my point is like they're trying to figure this stuff out, too. Right. So, you know, I totally agree with you. It's like be yourself make something authentic, make something different because that's actually what stands out. And you have to believe in it too because I remember, so one thing I didn't mention earlier about my friends and everything, when I, when I, when I used to rap when I was young, I used to be like one of the most gruesomest street, like say the craziest stuff rapper you would find, just finding my voice. That, that was my voice. I want to say like the most outlandish thing. When, they, when I first started rapping, it was like, Imagine you can do anything you want and write. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's yeah. my my cousins and them told me. But so I used to write like crazy stuff. And then when I started to change my style and start talking about being in the wheelchair, a lot of my friends didn't get it. And they yeah. started like not to listen to my music as much. And it kinda it kinda hurt my feelings a little bit, but I knew that I didn't I didn't want to be like everybody else. Yeah. I knew that. I, I was like, I knew. I wanted to like tell this story. Mm-hmm. 
and like I was like, I'm gonna stick to this 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 story about being in a wheelchair and these things I'm going through because I'm gonna do other other type of music. I'm gonna talk about other things, but I was like, I, I nobody's never done this before, mm-hmm. and I know I, I know I can do it, so I'm I'm gonna try it. Like I, I was like, I I think nobody rapped about stuff they go through in a wheelchair. You know what? That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. And that's what I started doing. I was like, I'm going to just start rapping and rapping. Because the people who see it now think that's a natural thing. It wasn't a natural thing for me. Mm. It was like a decision. Yeah. It was like a real decision. I was like, I was very clear about, like, I'm going to start writing about this stuff because instead of being mad, instead of complaining, mm-hmm. I'm going to take this challenge. But at the same time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, like, in a way that, a rapper would do it, like a Biggie told his story or a Tupac told his story. I even remixed Dear Mama, and um, shout out to Tupac. I was just watching the Dear Mama series the other day, and we doing the Who Shot You on his birthday. But like Tupac, and he did Dear Mama. I'm watching it. I'm like, Tupac was doing that too because like who writes a song about their mother the way he did? Unless you really feel like I'm. Who writes a song about Brenda having a baby? Like unless you mm-hmm. feel like I'm going to. Uh, like shock the world, you know, yeah. and I, that's 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 my mindset. Like I want to I want to shock the world with my music. That's yeah. how I feel. So I like I take this inspiration from like artists like that. Well, you're definitely doing that. Yeah. Well, any any final thoughts? Uh, nah. I think my thoughts was like, shh. but I, I could talk for all day. I could rap all day. I just I think about this stuff. So it's it's more so like a. a like a release, but yeah. at the end of the day, music is therapy for me. Yeah, this is therapy for me, not because I'm like bared or anything. It's just because I have a calling, yeah. and I like I I like just fall into it. So that's what it's all about. Wow. Uh, well, thank you for your time, your talent, your impact, everything you guys are doing. Um, let's give it up for Tap Waters. Well, thank you guys so much. So tomorrow we'll be talking to Erica, who's the head of music and partnerships at Community.com. Spoiler alert, Community.com is literally how you build a sustainable music career forever, in my opinion, after you've gotten your art together, of course. Huge thanks to podcast manager Mike Zimmerlich, engineer Nathan Kane, upcoming episode five guest Matthew Wong for composing the show's perfect music, Tower Records and Tower Labs, today's incredible guests, Namel, Tapwaters Norris, Downtown Ramped, the Ally Coalition, and of course, the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment's New York Music Month for making this all happen. Thanks so much for coming out to the season three premiere of How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tap Waters.